podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on a Monday, a Monday that has provided us. Uh, we have some real clarity in the Big 12. That is obviously going to be our, our topic for today with our good friends who join us every Monday, Andy Mitz. How's it going? I, I hate football, but I'm still here. It's basketball season, sir. You 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 don't even have to worry about it. Like you guys are on to basketball exactly. season. Football doesn't even exist anymore. Like it doesn't even matter. Except for professional football. That's fine. That's true. But that's this isn't a exactly. this isn't an NFL show. We don't we don't we'll, we'll talk Mahomes but... occasionally. And the fact that we were right about Cliff Kingsbury on this show, um, when others weren't, but that's fine. Uh also joining <laughs> us today, Jamie Steyer. Well, I personally am a huge fan of football so i mean jamie you can't see this uh jamie is rocking her iowa state ugly christmas sweater today it's uh it is it is it's pretty glorious to be honest it's pretty nice Uh, that's supposed to be an ugly sweater because honestly it's not that ugly i know so i know it's incredible i wear it approximately 50 percent of december Every year. It would be worse if it was just black and white. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you get the festive, the vibrant colors. My fiance has a Hawkeye one and his colors aren't as fun. So his sweater isn't as fun. Go State. But black and white is just a reference to the Iowa State All Blacks. Anyways, just put some color in there. I know you can't do yellow. You can put some red. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, look, I, that's, that's, that's the end of the dogging on Iowa State. We're going to talk about Texas here in a bit, but we need to start this show off by giving the Cyclones their due. They are, at this point, positioned for... This is already the best season in Iowa State football history, period. Um, And it's positioned to officially be that once they get past West Virginia and lock up a berth in the Big 12 title game. I mean, that's all it takes. Just just do that. But even if they lost, there's going to take some wild and crazy tiebreaker scenarios for them not to get there. I think at this point, it's like a 99% chance that Iowa State and Oklahoma are going to meet in Arlington for the Big 12 title game. In fact, I would argue that the wild tiebreakers knocking one of them out is more likely than even like Oklahoma or Iowa State losing one of these last three games on the schedule for them. Iowa State with one, Oklahoma with two. I just... I think this is who we have, and, I, and for Iowa State, this is awesome. This is this is so cool. It's so cool in Matt Campbell's fifth year to see what he has built there in Ames, to see guys like Brock Purdy, who we've been watching and, and, and watching develop and seeing that promise and it kind of delivering, seeing Brees Hall turn into even better than we thought he was going to be. Like It is so cool to see what is happening for Iowa State. And I've spent too much time already, and I need to give it to Jamie because I know she's got a lot to say. So, Jamie, the floor is yours. Well, it's just what you said. Like, it's just freaking cool. Like, I don't know. Iowa State is, frankly, an extremely jaded fan base, and we generally don't expect good things to happen to us. Uh, 
especially when you you start seasons off kind of tough sometimes. You know, the way we started off this season was kind of a downer for a lot of people who were super excited about the game. But I think it was a really good reminder that one game is just that one game. And then to go on and have exactly like you said, you've got the best season already in school history. You've got a chance to have a really great icing on the cake with a West Virginia team at home for senior night that I think is extremely beatable. I mean, it's just, it's really nice to see a really good group of guys that clearly care about the school, care about each other, care about the culture that they're building there. And then to have them led by someone like Matt Campbell, who had that extremely emotional um, post-game interview and to see someone just care that much to see someone who is that um, just passionate about what they're doing and to have them as part of our school is uh, it's pretty cool. You know, usually we've been moved on past football at this point of the year. You know, we're, we're starting to lay our hopes on basketball because football is a lost cause um, in the past. And this year, heck, I mean, we barely even talked about basketball up to this point because there's still there's still exciting football to be played. There's still consequential football to be played. And I mean, obviously, I love basketball. We'll get to that eventually. But for right now, to still be in it with a couple of games left in the season, it's uh, it is a feeling that I don't know that we were prepared to deal with, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, like listening to that post-game press conference, you know, you, you hear all the rumors, like, anytime a job opening is, looks like it's getting ready to come up, like, Matt Campbell is one of the first names gets thrown out, and it's kind of one of those things, like, I just, I don't see it, like, every coach sure has, like, their destination where they would, like, that's their dream job, um, usually for most coaches, you kind of know what that is, I don't know that I've ever actually heard Matt Campbell talk about, like, what his quote-unquote dream job would be, um, other than people, you know, trying to link him to Ohio State, like that would probably be the job that he would leave anywhere that he's being successful for. Uh, but, you know, college college sports is kind of unique in that um, it's so much about the, the passion and the and the link to the to the college town that you're coaching in uh, or that, that you're playing at and all of that. And, you know, like this the way that Matt Campbell is invested in that Iowa State program, I have a really hard time seeing him leaving for anywhere other than his quote unquote dream school. And nobody really knows where that is right now. So we can have all the speculation about, you know, like I heard a bunch of people saying that like he's at the top of the list to replace Scott Frost in Nebraska. It's like, I don't see that happening. Like there, there's there's all kinds of rumors that are flying around about Matt Campbell. And just watching that game, the emotion he had after that game, like he is the perfect fit for a, for a program like Iowa State. And I think Iowa State is a perfect fit for a coach like him. Andy froze. We lost Andy. It's not the first time this has happened. Look, full credit to Matt Campbell. I was very much of the of the group who was, I'll believe it, want to see it. And, and that's because Virginia, Iowa State just hadn't been there before. But now they are. And I think it's great. It's fun. It's fun not to, look, every fan base has their individuals, let's just call them, some more than others. But I have so many Iowa State fans, and I'm so happy for all of them because this is such a big thing. And, 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 and Jamie, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think it even matters if Iowa State wins the conference. Because no offense, I don't think Iowa State's beating Oklahoma. I think the way Oklahoma's playing right now, that if they made it to the playoff, they'd 
probably get to the championship game. Like, I, I do think so. I think they're playing that well. And maybe that's too much, but whatever. I don't think Iowa State's going to beat Oklahoma. But the fact that Iowa State is even going to be there, the fact that this year they're going to even be able to play for a championship game um, and is is huge and momentous and awesome and something that should be celebrated. Like, this is why I always say, like, there's a downside to winning all the time. Like, there's a downside to being an Alabama fan. It's that if you don't win a national championship, your season sucks, you're miserable, you're unhappy. Like, fans don't even show up to half the games anymore, you know, or are leaving early because it's blowouts. Like, there's downsides to winning all the time. And, and I know that's, that's it's like, it, I get it. But there is there is some really fun and, and really irreplaceable feelings about being able to be part of, of something and part of a moment and part of a fan base when something that just doesn't happen finally gets to happen to you. Like, I remember being an Oklahoma State fan in 2011 when OSU won the Big 12. Like, it was beating Oklahoma, winning the Big 12. It was such a, a great thing. And so I, I know how Iowa State fans are feeling right now. And I'm pumped for all of you. Like, this is... This is such a big, fun, awesome, and cool thing. And not just that, like, to get to to win it yourself, to go to Austin, beat Texas. Not, like, have think, teams lose to get you into this position. You went out. You went on the field. Your team won the game. Not you as the fan base, but the team won the game. And now they are ready to go to Arlington. Like, that is awesome. That is, that is, that is one of the best feelings you can have of a fan base, especially a fan base like Iowa State. Yeah, it was it was definitely a little bit of a scary proposition to look at it and say, well, we control our own destiny because, first of all, we've never been in a position where we're controlling our own destiny at that level of something happening. But to be in that situation and to follow through on it is is kind of wild and it's kind of exciting. And I mean, of course, it would happen in a year where we don't have very many fans and where we can't all celebrate together. But in the end, I think that it is just building up to more. And I think it's building up to better. And I mean, we can talk coaching changes at a later date or frankly, never, because if it happens, it happens. But I think that the effects live on no matter who's here, because now finally people are, maybe they'll know that the Cyclones are Iowa State. You know, maybe maybe someone will care a little bit more. Maybe we'll have more than one or two national media members who care about Ames, Iowa. And if we get even just a little bit more every year, that's something. I'll say this. Oklahoma State won a Big 12 title in 2011, and they still get Okie State. So I don't hold out too much hope for national Okie State, football still announcers. you know what they mean. They're not calling you Oklahoma, are they? <laughs> no. She has a point It's there. not the That's same fair. at all. <laughs> By the way, I think we figured out that Zoom does not like me talking about either Kansas potentially upsetting Texas no. or talking about Matt Campbell staying at Iowa State for whatever reason. <laughs> I think it's just that it doesn't like me talking about it. So anyway. We need to set a one-minute timer on you and see what happens. <laughs> so... Look, there's as we said, there's still games to be played. We've got a full five game slate this coming Saturday. We've got three other makeup games to go um, due to COVID. But we're poised to have something that I'm very excited about. So since the Big Twelve Championship game was brought back, Oklahoma has been in it every year. They're going to be in it again this year. But 
Look, I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry to West Virginia. Like, I'm not trying to dog on West Virginia. I think Neil Brown is an awesome hire. I think he's going to win there. I think they're very successful. I don't think West Virginia is going to beat Iowa State. I don't think West Virginia is going to beat Oklahoma. If they do, awesome props to you. I will be wrong. Happy to be wrong. I don't think it's going to happen. So when I say the things that I'm going to say moving forward, understand I'm operating under the belief that Oklahoma and Iowa State are going to win out, meet in Arlington, and that's what we're going to get. And even if Iowa State loses to West Virginia, the tiebreakers pretty much go Iowa State's way. So let's just run with that, okay? So since the Big 12 title game was brought back, 2017 season, Oklahoma's been at every time, but every year they have faced someone different. TCU, Texas, Baylor, and now very, 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 very likely Iowa State. So I, I broached this, and I'm so happy Andy's here. I want to bring up a little fun fact. Um, for those who don't remember, one thing that national college football people were really excited about last year was the potential of Virginia winning the Coastal Division in the ACC and getting into the title game for the ACC championship. Okay, The reason for that is this. The Coastal, from 2013 through 2019, every single team in the Coastal Division made it to the ACC championship game. It was Duke, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Miami, Pittsburgh, Virginia. In that, 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 straight flush every team. And so now I'm sitting here looking at the Big 12 situation going, okay, Oklahoma's now faced TCU, Texas, and Baylor. They're going to get Iowa State. What this town tells me that needs to happen, Andy, is that, let's see, this will be four. That gives Kansas what, another four, four or five seasons to get their shit together so they can they can finish off what could be a similarly amazing feat for the Big 12 to have Oklahoma face every Big 12 team in the Big 12 championship game one after the other. So if we just let Kansas put the last one in there, if you guys could do that and bring that to reality for us, um, that would be an amazing thing. I have a question. What do you think happens first? Kansas makes the championship game or Oklahoma doesn't? I mean, it's got to be Oklahoma doesn't, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, gosh. If, if Kansas went to the Big 12 championship game anytime in the next 10 <laughs> years, like there would be like West Virginia couch burning style riots in Lawrence. I'm like, that would be absolutely ridiculous. Um I mean, gosh, I can't, I, I can't even fathom the, the, you know, Kansas potentially making a Big 12 championship in football. Um, yeah, that would be absolutely insane. But I will tell you, like, it's probably going to be both Kansas and Texas Tech, because I'm having a hard time seeing Texas Tech the way, you know, especially if they don't, if they continue the way they've been going under Matt Wells. Like, I, I just don't see them being able to be good enough in the next five years either to make it to the Big 12 championship game. So so you, so you, Kansas can share the blame with Texas Tech for not keeping that streak going and allowing that, you know, the, the what you were talking about, facing every single opponent in the Big 12 title for, for Oklahoma. Well, so really, for Texas Tech and, and Kansas, we get Iowa State this year. Then for the, next, for the next three years, if you can get Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Kansas State in, that gives basically three more seasons for Texas Tech and Kansas to get their shit together so that they then can try and make a run at it and then we can have the greatest thing, the greatest nine-year run for the Big 12 title game. Like, that would just be, that would be amazing. Like, they would they would do 30 for 30s about that. Like, books would be written would about they, the insanity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'd have to acknowledge Are you, the Big 12. Have you seen some of the things they've done 30 for 30s on? Yes, they would do a 30 for 30 on 
all nine Big 12 teams in a row facing off against Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. Well, well, only if Oklahoma beat them all, which, I mean, it's it's probably going to happen if it happens. Like, if it happens, it's probably going to be Oklahoma beating every single one of them. But the Coastal went every year. The the Coastal did that seven year stretch. The Coastal never won. So that doesn't matter. Okay. History is history. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We are the winners in this situation. So to us go the spoils. Um, okay. So obviously Iowa State, the big winners, 23, 20 over Texas on, on Friday at a huge game coming, huge comeback win. Like, uh, part of me is like, I know we're supposed to do the Tom Herman, Texas thing. I know we're supposed to talk about like Tom Herman's getting fired. I don't buy the urban Meyer stuff for a second. Not even a little, I don't think he's going to come out of retirement. The only reason to me Urban Meyer would come out of retirement and take the Texas job would be just to stick it to Tom Herman because Tom Herman got fired or got replaced by Urban Meyer, who I don't think likes Tom Herman. Um, I'm all about sticking it to Tom Herman, frankly. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, Give me look, that. The, the schadenfreude for, of that type of thing happening makes it completely worth it as long as Urban Meyer would sign up for it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I would be all for it if we can get it to happen. So... But I agree with you. It's not very likely to happen. Like I would put the the probability of that at maybe 0.2%. <laughs> like it's it's such a small possibility that I don't even know that I would want to you know entertain it cuz I'd be getting my hopes up. I mean it's 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 still infinitely more likely than Kansas winning a game this year. I am willing to admit that at this point. But uh <laughs> but you know, oh man. I I wasn't sure if I was actually going to admit that on the podcast this week or not. I'm or proud of you. Hold out you know, but admitting uh, you have a problem is the first step. Yeah, it's the first step. To, I know. Gosh. Um, oh. So I had a thought, and I don't really, I don't really want to go down the like. Who would you? I know when we had texted like, get your candidates list. Like, let's let's do, do the stupid thing that everyone's doing. I don't want to do it. I lied. Good, I changed my I mind. So like, it's <laughs> that's good because I didn't do that. Yeah, neither of us. Uh, if Tom Herman's gone, no one's going to know about it till it happens, and they'll have a new guy already lined up, ready to go as soon as it's done. Like the next day, they'll have a head coach. So they're basically, they're going to hire Matthew a guy McConaughey. Real, real quick though, Philip, because yeah. when you sent that, and I was sitting there, I literally, seriously thought about it for about two minutes, and then my list in- entirely consisted of just eh. So that's my thing, and I wanted. That's what I wanted to go with this conversation. I can make an argument, and I think it's a valid argument, that Oklahoma is a better job, both as a football coach and as an athletic director, than Texas is. And let me explain this thought. Oklahoma, last two head coaches, both Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops, very successful guys. Lincoln Riley was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, promoted to the head coaching position. Bob Stoops had been the defensive coordinator and associate head coach at Florida. Neither one had head coaching experience. Neither one had been a head coach before. Both had been coordinators promoted to head jobs. Honest to goodness, could you ever see Texas hiring an assistant or coordinator to their first-time head coaching job to run the University of Texas football program? No. No. I can't either. And that's the thing to me. That's the thing that screws Texas. They aren't going to, it's, it's that idea of you have to have so many boxes checked before they're going to hire you. Tom Herman really checked all the boxes. That's why at the time when he was hired, we can, we can say it was, it hasn't worked out and that's fine. It hasn't worked out in realistically based off of Texas's unrealistic expectations for who they are. 
Right. Like they could very well finish with three losses this season. It's a good or seven and two, and it's a it's a good year. Like seven and three. The point of all this is, I think it's harder to hire a head coach. Oklahoma can go and hire coordinators to be successful head coaches because they're going to pick the right guy for Oklahoma. Texas has to go and hire a big hot name who's currently a head coach who has done a lot of this program. And I think that's so incredibly difficult to do. I don't know that Chris Del Conte, is, like, I would hate to be, I would rather be back at TCU than being at Texas trying to hire a head coach to replace Tom Herman. I don't, I think they're screwed. Well, I think because they're just so hampered by the expectations to begin with where their list is so short because half of the decisions being made aren't by the AD. It's by the donors that are saying, no way. Like, this guy doesn't have enough experience. This guy isn't proven enough. We aren't going to fork over the cash we know you need if it's for this guy. And so the AD can't really do what their job truly is and get creative and do their research and stuff because so much of it is just the public perception part of it that it's frankly more PR than it is doing their actual job. And I don't envy that at all. Yeah, you know, it's also kind of one of those things. This harkens back to the conversation that we actually had when we were talking about Gundy. And, you know, kind of if you were to if you were to move on from Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, like you've got to worry about finding the next like the next guy that would be right for the program. And, and that's going to kind of be hit or miss. But in order to take that jump up, which is what Texas is trying to do, because right now they've you know, they're they're grabbing established guys and they've plateaued. They got rid of Mac Brown, who was a, you know, a national title winning coach. Um, thinking that they could find someone new and, you know, take the next step up. And, and what the problem that they had there was that, you know, you don't get an established guy and transplant his culture into your own successfully and take that next step unless you are extremely lucky. Like it is, you know, it is an infinitesimally small chance for that to actually work correctly. And I mean, like the only the only team right now that I think has done something similar and they're not at the same level that Texas thinks that they're at would be like Chris Kleiman was the perfect, you know, culture similarity transplant of his culture because they already lined up so well, Kansas state versus what he was doing before. And, and even then we're starting to see some issues, you know, with them kind of working through some bumps there. Um, you're not going to have that with Texas. Like Texas culture is so different from anyone else you could bring in that is a successful coach that there are going to be problems trying to get that. And and they don't give their coaches enough time to work through the the necessary bumps and bruises that you're going to have trying to integrate two completely different cultures of a very successful head coach at a G5 or you know wherever else he comes from and what Texas is expecting at that point. It, what, they just don't what, allow that wait, to happen. Wait, hold on a second. What is Texas's culture? Because I loved the statement from Brees Hall of five-star culture over five-star players, um, which I <laughs> was just, oh, that one. That was a sword right to the back. You know, um, believe it or not, Texas's culture? their culture is similar to the culture that Nebraska thought they had when they got rid of Frank Solich. Like, it's a similar kind of situation where they think so highly of themselves and what their program should be that it's, un- it's completely unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. And so they get rid of very good people. Like, Mac, Mac Brown has turned around North Carolina. Like, that North Carolina program is all Mac Brown. He's done essentially, you know, what you would expect him to do. Like he's shown how just how good of a coach he actually is and that he wasn't all washed up and ready to, you know, to be done like Texas seemed to think that he was. And so like I, this is just 
this is Texas having unrealistic expectations. I mean, honestly, that's kind of what their culture is. <laughs> unrealistic expectations for their football program because they live in a state where football is king. And if you aren't the best in your conference, then you're failing. And what we've come to find out is that Oklahoma was willing to take that risk, you know, to grab a guy. Now, to be fair, Lincoln Riley, yes, it was his first head coaching job, but he did come up through Bob Stewart's program. So he's familiar with what they were doing previously, which can be very successful. Like, yes, it's his first head coaching job, but, um, you know, he was he was coming up in their program. It was a continuation of the very successful Bob Stewart's program that they had before. So, yes. It makes it a lot easier when you have an assistant you think could be a head coach that comes up through your program so that when your guy retires, he can hand it off to him. But the point is still there that Bob Stoops, it was his first one. Like They took the risk of bringing in an assistant you know, and really taking that leap, and he brought them up to one of the premier programs in the country, and now they're able to kind of live off of that. But it takes that big jump to rocket yourself into that upper tier, and Texas just doesn't seem to be willing to do that. They're not willing to run the risk of you know, a lower tier bowl type of season, like a seven and six season, or, you know, even potentially a losing season to find the right guy that they need to, in order to shoot the program up into that top, you know, four or five programs in the country. For Iowa State fans looking to celebrate after Friday's huge, huge win. And if they want to get themselves decked out and ready for the big toll title game in Arlington, might I suggest you go to Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, which makes comfortable, awesome vintage college sports apparel and they have iowa state among their more than 100 different schools baylor as well if you want to know the two big schools or big 12 schools that they have i had my iowa state shirt on them on friday i did i rocked it it was good luck can't sorry, confirm texas, but sorry texas but i'm um, marching side. yeah you got lucky no, because I'm, if they had lost on the first time iowa state game wearing that shirt so you're welcome i'm just gonna yeah, say but, that but if they had lost after you, you know, wearing that for the first time, like, you may not have been able to wear All that counts with the W. Again. Doesn't none of the rest matter? None of it matters. All that matters. No ifs, ands, or buts, baby. It was a W. Okay, homefieldapparel.com. Look, we talked about them all the time. Love having them as a sponsor. Ten twelve gets you twenty percent off your first order. But I'll be blunt; they have a Black Friday promotion that's going on. I don't remember when it wraps up. Hopefully, it's not uh, before this episode goes up. But Home Field Magic gets you thirty percent off. So go to homefieldapparel.com if you've been waiting. If you want to buy something for yourself, you want to buy something for a friend, for family. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out the amazing Iowa State apparel they have. Plus, they have stuff from Missouri, UC Irvine, Butler, Southern Indiana, Indiana State, Colorado School of Mines, and it's really cool stuff. Delaware, and it's awesome. Northern Kentucky. Again, more than a hundred different schools. Homefieldapparel.com. Follow them on Twitter. You will not regret it. You will not regret it. You will start to become an Indiana fan just because of it. Go to Homefield. These guys are awesome. They really do care about what they do. They love college football as much as you do. I think you're going to love their stuff. Homefieldapparel.com. Go check them out. I checked. If you are listening to this on Monday, go quick. The sale is currently listed as through Cyber Monday. There you go. Through Cyber Monday. You've got time. Do it. Maybe. Do it. There's, just do it. Just do it. Do it. Do all the do it gifs. Okay. Okay. Shia LaBeouf. I check. I will say, I think no. I think we have some of the weirdest ad reads on this show that I've ever heard. But They get weirder the longer I have like one sponsor. And that's the, the thing is like continuing this. And this is going to go through. Start December. taking some so, liberties. After a while, it's just like, how many times can I say this? As many times as I have to, because I want you to buy things from them. And I would like them to know that it was because of us. It's just, it's nice. It's, you know, 
so on and so forth. Okay. Uh, other games were played this weekend besides Iowa State and Texas. Obviously, Oklahoma-West Virginia games uh, postponed for a couple weeks. Oklahoma State-Texas Tech. If that wasn't a classic Big 12 game, I don't know what was. Uh, Oklahoma State getting the 50-44 to win. That was so much about Texas Tech Texas teching harder than Oklahoma State Oklahoma stating. Honestly, that's how that game was. Oklahoma State built up a 19-point lead with like nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Texas Tech came roaring back to only lose by six. I think the thing that shifted this game, if you guys didn't see it, was that Texas Tech had taken the lead, went for an onside kick, didn't recover it. OSU recovered it and ran it back for a touchdown. Oklahoma State took the lead back and never lost the lead again. Because um, why not? Yeah, it was just the most Texas Tech. He had a, he had a pick six. Like, I, I don't know. Oklahoma State's defense wasn't great on Saturday, but they won the game again. Special teams helped. Oklahoma State's offense continues to struggle. I don't know how much of this game you guys saw. I came away from it going, Oh, oh yeah, win like again. Just you, just you get the W and you move on, and you 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 can work through things in practice, but you take the win. And for Texas Tech, it's another disappointing loss. It's an it is uh, what is the phrase? Um, grasping defeat from the jaws of victory again this season for them. This just seems to be a, 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 a something that's happening a lot. Yeah, this was. This was one of the weirdest games, and it was vintage Big Twelve, like you're talking about. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make light of this, but this reminded me of a whole bunch of people that were um, narcoleptic because they were just randomly falling asleep on the field at times. Like, I didn't know who was awake for any particular one play, uh, like because the like one team's defense would be completely like would completely fall asleep and let up a big score, and then the very next play that they're on the field, they're just walloping you know, the, the opposing offense. Like I, I literally, this one was as entertaining as they could get because I literally went into every single play. It's like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. Like we could see a 75 yard touchdown run. We could see an onside kick bounce right into a guy's arms and he hits the hole just perfect and goes for the touchdown. Like, I mean, this game had absolutely everything that you would expect from a big 12 game for those of us that grew up with, you know, you know, 60 to 55 big 12 you know, matchups that were all the rage, um, except for the fact that my team hardly ever actually got to participate in any of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is what you expect from Big when you think Big 12. And honestly, like, this is the kind of game that we had been seeing from the SEC for most of this season that, you know, now is apparently the new standard of absolutely great football that has been going on for years in the Big 12, so. Yeah, it's kind of funny because this is like, the stereotype of what the Big 12 is that we've mostly been moving away from, but just nationally people don't care. They just like to make fun of the Big 12 for bad defense. And then we have games like this so that they can renew on their doubling down on saying that the Big 12 doesn't like to play defense. (laughs) But... You know, it, it's just yeah, it was except, so hard to gauge what was happening at any point in that game. There was no such thing as momentum. <laughs> yeah, the, the only problem with that, though, is to like, Bill Hader, how many of those... Go ahead, sorry. I said, to quote Bill Hader, this game had everything. Why did onside I kicks returned. <laughs> onside kicks returned for touchdowns, pick sixes, safeties, 
fumbles, 70-yard touchdown runs. Like, this game had everything. I was just going to say, like, this wasn't like a game of bad defense. I mean, we had, you know, we had a pick six. We had a bunch of fumbles. We had a bunch of, you know, safety. Like, we, we, we had a safety. This game literally had everything. It had a safety. It had a missed field goal. It had an interception, you know, return for a touchdown. It had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Like, the only thing that we didn't see was, uh, like, a scoop and score and a punt return for a touchdown. Like, that was it. Everything else, like every other possible thing that you could see in a, in a game of football, we saw here. Uh, TCU doing to Kansas what everyone has done to Kansas, beating them soundly. Uh, TCU winning 59-23. to 23. Andy, I, I, as usual, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Kansas game because there's not much to take away from it beyond just Kansas isn't very good this season. Do you have any thoughts on your Jayhawks? Actually, it's kind of funny because I don't know why. Well, I'm actually glad I did this now. And Scott Chasen, uh, who is an absolutely great KU follow, if you're not following him, um, also did the same thing and noticed the exact same thing. Those wide open plays where Max Duggan just threw for a touchdown and there was literally nobody within 25 yards. It actually can all be traced back to the same linebacker who completely missed his assignment because he essentially thought the guy was an ineligible receiver um, because they had an unbalanced line. So like, those are like three horrible plays that look really bad and make the entire defense look horrible. But it was really just one guy who was a true freshman in his second game on the field, not understanding what it was that he needed to do in that particular situation. And then going back to the well several times for it. Um, obviously that's not something that I think is going to keep happening, but there's enough other problems with this Kansas team that it makes it really hard. Like, when, when there's 21 points on coachable things that you can fix supposedly fairly easily and you still would have gotten beaten quite soundly if those had gone away, like there's obviously other issues here. Um, but, you know, that is kind of the silver lining for any KU fans that are still for some reason and myself included still watching football at this point is that, you know, there are things that are theoretically fixable that can, you know, you, you can take away from this. So it's not completely like rock bottom anymore. Um, it's just it, it just feels that way. I'll be really excited to read uh, the Purple Theory newsletter and their recap of this game. Parker Fleming, uh, Mr. <laughs> Stats of War on Twitter. You know, you you wouldn't think a you'd have a lot of complaints about a thirty nine point or a thirty six point win. Um, Parker did, and they're really interesting. Um, enjoy following him. We'll be pumped for that newsletter to see. Um, the the issues he had with how TCU went about this game, I don't necessarily disagree with the with a lot of them. Um, it's hard to complain about a win, but Kansas here is such a different opponent than usual. I mean, this is really yeah. bad Kansas team. A- Andy, this is a really bad Kansas team. Craziest stats come out of this game, and I haven't double checked to make sure, but I, I'm pretty sure it's correct. Max Duggan had three completions on this game. Yes, and all of them were for touchdowns. Yes. He he went three for eleven for ninety six yards and three touchdowns. That's just that's Matthew Downing went three for four for ten yards. They ran the ball forty one times for three hundred thirty seven yards, and two touchdowns. That about sums it up. Like that's everything you really need to know about this game. <laughs> yep, that's it. We can move on. Kansas State and Baylor. Let me just say this. I think for Kansas State, we said a lot after last season, last year felt like Kansas State was not so much ahead of schedule as in more to do with they just kind of outplayed what they should have been last season. 
And I want that that's not to take away from what they did. They were fantastic. They deserved the wins they got. They were awesome. This year had a hot start, but once you lost Skylar Thompson, it just you could see it was just starting to kind of it was going to get to this point. And especially on the road, Kansas State had a nice 17 to 6 lead at half, uh, but eventually went on to lose 32 to 31. I, I think for Kansas State, I know there's some very angry Kansas State fans with where things are. Guys, it's year two for new head coach. Um, you, you need to realize the people's concern heading into the last season about the roster were legitimate. Like, Kleiman came in and did a lot of great things, and they were really good. But you're still transitioning to Kleiman. You're still, you've seen a lot of, You've seen a lot of guys enter the transfer portal, it felt like. Like, I, Kansas State is still a work in progress. And I, I know it stinks to to lose these games after such a, sorry, what, four and four and one? Now they're four and five. Was that right? Am I, I'm going to pull up their season schedule because that yes, sounds right. They are they are four and five now. Yeah, they were four and one. And now they've lost to uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Baylor. Uh, and have Texas left, and, and that's it, and are now looking at a potential 4-6 and six season after a really, really good start, that, that win at Oklahoma in, in, in the Big 12 opener. Um, I think Kansas State's still moving in the right direction. I still think Kleiman's awesome. I think you just had to expect some hiccups for Kansas State. Um, as far as Baylor, congrats to Baylor getting their second win on the season. Um, Charlie Brewer, 31 for 39, 349 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Ran the ball 23 times for 56 yards and two two touchdowns. I am still a card-carrying member of the Charlie Brewer fan club. It's a little tattered, you know. It's a little that the lamination starting to peel in one of the corners. Kind of like Brewer. It got ripped down the middle and you had to, like, tape it back Not together, that, right? No, I, I, it lost a but. corner. It lost a corner. Um, for Charlie Brewer to get to play like this and get this win, you know, in, in his last season, I, I'm I'm pumped for him. Uh, this has been a hard year for Baylor. It really has. They blew the they blew the game against Texas Tech. You know they they blew a giant lead against Iowa State. I I think Baylor is better than their record. I don't think they're as bad as the two and five says. I think they've been in games. I think they've blown games. I think it's tough with a brand new head coach and a brand new staff and a season like this. And they've been dealing with they've dealt with COVID. They had the Oklahoma State game, which was postponed, which will be in two weeks now because of of COVID. They didn't get to play a non conference game because of COVID. Literally twice didn't get to play a non conference game because of COVID. Um, I think Baylor is figuring some things out. I would be very worried if you're Oklahoma State in that season for that regular season finale on on December twelfth. Going to Waco, I'm just saying it now, Oklahoma State should be a little bit worried. I know Baylor's not very good, but they're also not as bad as their record indicates. So I'm pumped for Charlie Pruer in this game. Pumped for them to get this win. Congrats to them. Uh, you guys with any thoughts here? You know, I'm wondering what it is that uh, Baylor has over the state of Kansas because, you know, they, they, they've only lost. Let's see, going back to 20, 20, actually, I'm back in 2014 so far. Um, they only have two losses to teams that hail from the state of Kansas. In, in, yeah, in all of that time. Um, they they have something over the state of Kansas for whatever reason. Like, they, even in years where they are absolutely atrocious, they are still very, very good um, against any Kansas team. Uh, yeah. 
so K-State's the only team that's beat them, obviously, from Kansas in the last, or since 2011. So in the last 10 years, K-State's beat them three times out of all of that. No matter how good or how bad those, those Baylor teams have been, they have owned the state of Kansas for whatever reason. And I don't really know. I mean, obviously, when KU has been as bad as they have been in that time frame, that really, really helps. Um, but K-State has had some pretty good teams in that time frame as well. And for whatever reason, Baylor wins more often than not. So, um, yeah, it would be kind of fitting for Baylor's only two wins to be against both KU and K-State this year, though. I don't have much. I mean, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I okay. I had I had other concerns, which was partying. Look, she used all of it on her on her Iowa State. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah, it kind of is what it is. It's I I do think that Charlie Brewer is a, a pretty nice player, and so it's cool to see that. But yeah, those get real frustrating. So especially to start out, like you said, four and one, and end up dropping four straight. That's uh, not exactly a pleasant place to be, but at the same time, you got to take the growing pains. You can't get too bad out of shape too fast. Look, the only hope that Kansas State fans have at this point is that this is a mirror season because they lost the first one, then won the next four. So now they've lost the next four. They're going to win the last one against Texas. So Get that win over Texas. Put the, the nail in Tom Herman's coffin. Um no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I do want to talk a little bit of basketball, so let's get through this real quick. Holidays are here. Thanksgiving is past. Christmas is on its way. And if you're trying to find the right gift for your friends and family, may I suggest a bag of coffee from Lazy Fair. Lazy Fair Coffee. Ethically sourced beans from around the world roasted right in the heart of the Big 12 country. Five fantastic flavors. Something for everyone. Plus a great coffee dry rub and an espresso body scrub. You're going to find something here that's going to be perfect for the coffee lovers in your life and on your holiday shopping list. I literally today bought three bags. We got two bags of the Cafe Cubano, one of the Good Morning Vietnam. Two of those are gifts. One of those is a gift for my office, which I will also is basically a gift for me <laughs> because, you know, it's the holiday season. Giving is the gift that keeps on giving, especially when it also pays back to you in that way. LazyFairCoffee.com, great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R, coffee. Go enter the promo code 1012, get 10% off of your order. If you live in the DFW area, you get free shipping. So if you are a Dallas-Fort Worth resident, and I understand that Dallas and Fort Worth are two different places. There's lots of places in between around. Don't I don't need to hear that. Go, get yourself a bag, get yourself a couple bags, one for you, one for a friend, one for family. Put them in the cart, use 1012, get 10% off your order, get free delivery if you're in that area, and give the gift of a really good cup of coffee this holiday season. All right, so this weekend, full slate of games, assuming that they all get played. Obviously, you know, we, last week we thought we'd have Oklahoma, West Virginia. We didn't. Um, so at this point, we have Oklahoma State at TCU, Baylor at Oklahoma, West Virginia at Iowa State, Texas at Kansas State, and Kansas at Texas Tech. Um, Andy, real quick, which which game are you gonna have your eye on this coming weekend? Do I do I have to? No. Um, <laughs> it would probably be West Virginia, Iowa State. That's the one I think is well. I say that I think that's gonna have the biggest impact on the Big Twelve race, but at this point, it's all but over. Um, like I don't I don't know that Oklahoma State's gonna lose to TCU, and Oklahoma isn't gonna lose to Baylor. Honestly, what's most interesting is the potential because Oklahoma 
had COVID issues this week, if uh, this this past week, if those continue over into this next week and they are not able to play this game against Baylor, they will not be able to make it up because there is no room left on the schedule for it. Baylor's already playing a game. Um, you know, like I, I don't know how they would shuffle anything to allow for that. And so you could theoretically run into a situation where Oklahoma is down one game compared to a team like Oklahoma State. Um, and based off of win percentage, which is what would determine who gets into the Big 12, like that's the biggest roadblock now to Oklahoma probably making it to the Big, to, to the Big 12 championship game is COVID. Because if they can't play this game against Baylor, they could be left out on win percentage. All right. Jamie? I kind of like that. <laughs> I, I, There's I have a lot to think about. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a concept. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was going to be my one either way. Baylor, Oklahoma. Because frankly... I don't really think much else matters. I mean, obviously, the Iowa State game matters. But first of all, I'm not supposed to pick that one. And second of all, I think they win. So, moving on. God, if Baylor... I've never, never in my life said that I want Baylor to win a game. Ever. And today that changes. Because, oh... Baylor could beat Oklahoma. <sighs> yeah. Be pretty cool. It's not gonna happen, but it's not. It's not gonna happen. It's not. Look, there there's a much better chance that COVID cancels this game than Baylor beats Oklahoma. Correct. I agree. I don't think I can morally cheer for COVID, but no, no, agree, agree. Agree. I, I would never. Like, if you want to but, continue to be a participant but, on this podcast, you will not take that moral high ground or low ground. As right. No, may. no. So, so, like, when when Missouri was in the conference, I always told myself there was no way I could ever root for Missouri to win a conference game unless doing so directly affected Kansas' chance to you know to to make it to like the Big Twelve championship or something. And and I, I'm in a similar situation here with Baylor. I've never been able to root for Baylor in the sense after certain things happened a few years ago. Um, and so like COVID is like the one thing I will, I draw the line there. I could never, ever root for COVID no matter what. Cheering for Baylor <laughs> um, feels only marginally better than COVID, but it's enough. All right. That might be it. Too far? A bit, a, bit, a bit. Like, look, it's fun to Baylor bash, but that's a bit far. Um, I will take Texas at Kansas State. I Look, Kansas State's reeling. I get it. But... I also would say there's a difference between Kansas State at the on the road and Kansas State at home right now. That's my thing. I think they're not very good on the road. That's why I thought Baylor would win this last week. I think Kansas State at home will play better. I think there's a lot of pressure on Texas. I mean, you've already had uh, left tackle Osai say he's done for the year for Texas. There, there's no Big Twelve title game for Texas. There's just, there's just not. It's not going to happen. Oh, oh, even oh, you'd have to lose like twice, and Oklahoma State would have to lose again, and, and like so many, it, they're out. So with that out of the question for Texas, we've already seen Osai leave or, or basically opt out for this season. How many other players are going to? Will how motivated is Texas to actually win this game? To care about this game? The players, not Tom Herman. He needs to win this game. They he needs to finish seven and three. Um, to really, I I don't think he's gonna get fired. I don't. I don't think he's going to get fired. 
because I don't think Urban Meyer is coming. I think that's the only way they really could get rid of him right now is if they knew Urban was coming. So I don't think Tom Herman's going to get fired. And I'm kind of okay with that. But I would be really interested to see what happens in this game. How motivated are the Texas players to care in this game? And I'm sure there's a Texas player who would be hearing this and be like, tweeting about it and angry on Twitter. And that's fine. Good. I hope you do. I would love to see 20 Texas players on Twitter pissed off at me for even saying, how dare you question us? Like, great. Good. That's what I want to see. I want to see you actually caring. That is the game that I want to keep an eye on. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I don't want this pod to go too long. And we will have plenty of time to do it more as the season progresses. But Men's basketball officially under the way. Nine of the twelve of the ten Big Twelve teams have played a game. Oklahoma had to postpone their first due, two games due to COVID-related uh, issues with the Sooners, so they haven't played a game yet. At as at this point, this would be Sunday night. Um, currently, uh, a handful of teams who have not lost: TCU and West Virginia both at three and zero. Oklahoma State and Baylor at two and zero. Texas and Iowa State both at one and zero. Kansas is one and one, losing to Gonzaga. Texas Tech is two and one, losing to Houston today. Kansas State 0-2, and boy, they don't look very good. Uh, Andy, any just overall thoughts on on the state of things thus far into the season? Um, No, actually, my only thought doesn't actually even come with, you know, the play on the court. It has to do with the fact that, look, Kansas lost to Baylor in the first uh, game, and then uh, it came out right after the game that uh, someone in their traveling party had COVID. And, of course, it put everybody on notice that, hey, everyone that was in that little 14 pod down in Fort Myers could potentially be exposed. St. Joseph just announced today that they are suspending activities for two weeks because of a COVID-related result there. Um, makes you really wonder how quickly it's going to be, even with all the bubble and everything that they are setting up to try to handle this, how are they going to be able to contain the virus this year? Um, like that's unfortunately the kind of the, the reality that we live in at this point is that basketball, I think it's a lot easier, especially if you're not doing a bubble type of situation, um, to have it run rampant because of how quickly you have turnarounds in games and, you know, just how quickly everything is there. Um, and just how much contact that they actually have during the games, no matter what they try to do. And so I'm definitely worried about that coming up this week. Um, but you know, the only other thought that I had that is actually on court related, I thought it was absolutely hilarious that Kentucky lost to Richmond today. Um, you know, so that that will that unfortunately makes the, the you know, we lose a little bit of luster off the Champions Classic matchup that's coming up on Tuesday here. Um, just because now both of those teams are one and one uh, going into that particular game. But it should still be a really fun. Game, Wasn't it Virginia so. who lost to San Francisco? Oh, yes, they lost that one as well. Oh, my gosh, that was absolutely hilarious. But but that one doesn't have Big 12 implications right now. So no, other than other than everybody loves the laugh of Virginia. It. Did you actually see that tweet from from the NCAA March Madness account where they basically where they they actually said they took UMBC and crossed it out and wrote USF takes down number four Virginia for their first top five win in however long it was it was it was absolutely ice cold and hilarious. Oh, why do people hate on Virginia? There's no because it's so their 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 style of play is so boring. And how slow they play. Oh, it's not fun to watch. Like, how slow they play allows teams that shouldn't have any opportunity to keep up with them, you know, keep up with them because there are so few possessions with the way that they play. Yeah, it's it's not it's not pleasant to the eyeballs. It's not. Uh, Jamie, uh, yes. women, Big 12 women's basketball underway. Uh, had a few games so far. Any overall thoughts on the season to this point? Well, I mean, I'll 
in a sort of different way, echo Andy's sentiment of, um, I've thankfully, because of obviously familial connections, been at both of the Iowa State home games, both men and women so far. Um, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, my brother's a walk-on at Iowa State, and it's his senior year, so definitely going to enjoy seeing him in the uniform, and uh, it's it's kind of weird. But as far as like actual gameplay goes, um, it'll be really interesting because Big, play, Big 12 play starts this week. Uh, I know that Iowa State's heading down to Texas to play TCU already on Wednesday. I know my mom will still be acting as head coach then, so... Uh, definitely we'll be watching that one very closely, but it's, I mean, it's a little bit too early to say on most of the teams that we didn't already know about. I mean, Baylor's obviously good. Texas is good. Uh, Iowa State, I mean, dropped one to South Dakota State, who is gonna be a heck of a team. So definitely not, uh, running around like our heads are on fire. I, I definitely had a little reminder of, uh, I don't know how a certain football team started the season and then turns out that the team's in the top 25 at the end of the season. So uh, kind of is what it is. But yeah, not not really anything super exciting, super uh, noteworthy quite yet, but it's coming. Things will get crazy pretty quick. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, was kind of, oh. I was going say, I wouldn't be surprised if we get like halfway through January and all the conferences decide that they're going to shut everything down for two weeks and then finish off the season in a bubble so we can make sure we actually have the NCAA tournament. They need the NCAA tournament. That's what it comes down to. And whatever they need to do to make that happen is what's going to happen. Yeah, it's got to happen. And it, it it cannot not happen this year. Like, it, it can't. If you don't have the... It, let's put it. The implications you're, you're are too having, great. You're having, the, you are having March Madness this year. There's no way you can't have March Madness this year. You can't even talk about it. You, they will have something, some semblance of it. If they reduce the field, if they go into a bubble, like any of that is in play as long as it happens. Well, they've already talked about it could be the bubble teams. in a single location. And, and that, I guess not actually a the bubble. Men, but I think the men are going to get the bubble. That's what they're doing. Right. The men are going to get the bubble in the Indianapolis. Uh, the women will not be in the same bubble. They will be in another bubble anywhere, somewhere. If I have heard suggested, I think it would be very smart if you put the bubble in Texas and there are enough stadiums in there are enough places to play in the dallas fort worth area as well as if you have to go down into austin for a bit and need to but i it, it makes it would make a lot of sense to basically make a texas bubble for the women's tournament and do it there if you're gonna do the men's in indianapolis i just you, you're gonna have something you have to have something uh jamie was kind enough to join us on our instagram live this past wednesday to talk about big 12 women's basketball talk about iowa state of course uh, and the conference as a whole Follow us on the gram at 1012pod where we have an Instagram live every Wednesday night at 730. Every is in parentheses because it's like 90% of the time every once in a while. I have two kids under two and they get in the way. But for the most part, every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, we have an Instagram Live. We should be in this week as well. I don't know who the guest is, but we will let you know they should be a good one. Um, of course, follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, where you can get all sorts of fun Big 12-related news. Follow our two friends here, Andy and Jamie. Andy at AndyMitch12. Jamie at J Styes, J S T E Y Z on Twitter for fun things about women's basketball, men's basketball, Kansas, Iowa State, uh, arts and crafts with Jamie and uh, with uh, with Andy. I don't know, mostly just just sports. Andy, you need another hobby that we can 
talking about. Uh, yeah, no, actually, I do, I do have one. Actually, people that are waiting on me right now. I have another podcast. Uh, we actually recently started a uh, Dungeons & Dragons podcast recently, so uh, be on the lookout for that. It's actually the first episode already dropped, um, and I'm getting ready to go over and record after we're done here, so we're going to um, continue that going along. But it's it's been a lot of fun. I definitely highly recommend. Yes, episodes are really long for it, but it's it's been a completely new experience, and for those of you guys that are not familiar with that community... It's really weird and yet really awesome at the same time. Very cool. So go follow Andy. Find out about that podcast. We'll let him plug that a little bit more next time. Uh, do us a favor. Subscribe, rate, review. It helps other people find out about the show, which helps us out. Go and support our sponsors who support us. Homefield Apparel, who's got 30% off through the end of the day. Monday, Lazy Fair Coffee, 10% off with 10 12 great holiday gift and we'll be back on thursday to make picks for this week's slate of games Podcast Network.